summer's a great time to get outside and have some fun. For some, it would be a day at the beach walking, a bike ride through the mountains, or even a day at the lake fishing. Jesus used fish to teach great lessons to his disciples. In this series, we'll take a look at lessons we can learn from Jesus' fish stories, taking his bait, hook, line, and sinker. We hope you enjoy. So how amazing was that worship time? And I don't know about you, but I loved that violinist. Uh, it's so amazing to be a part of a church where we just have talent everywhere in the worship area. And we are so grateful for every one of our musicians and singers and uh, all the worship leaders that we have. So God bless, and I hope that they've prepared your heart for this message today. So I want to come right out the gate and ask you a pretty serious question. Are you ready? Hold on to your seat. Do you like fish and chips? I know that might be a little heavy for you, but I want you to think that through. Do you like fish and chips? Are you a fan of fish and chips? Well, this guy is, but here's the reality. I can't have them as much as I would like to. But uh, thinking of fish and chips, I remember a trip that I took with my older son, Drew. He had just graduated high school. It was about nine years ago. And I took him on a road trip as his graduation gift. We were in Tahoe for a week uh, with the entire family. But as they went home, we went over to San Francisco and then we made our way down the coast. And we had so much fun. We did some fishing and we did some crazy mountain biking and we did some golfing and we did hiking and I mean there, the list goes on um, but one of the things that we committed to was finding the best fish and chips along the coast so pretty much at every stop we uh, both would or one of us would order fish and chips I remember Pier 39 San Francisco we had some amazing fish and chips so this guy loves them and, and really that that love for them started when I was in my internship in New Zealand uh, I was about 20 years old, 21 years old, and uh, was in a small town uh, on the, the North Island uh, in, in, in Wakefield. And actually, what I would do is after work, there was just this little main street. Now, when I say little, there's probably like four or five uh, storefronts on that street. So very, very small. But one of them was a fish and chips place. And I remember oftentimes when work would end, I would walk over to the fish and chips place and I would order my fish and chips. And you would watch the guy dip the the, the fish in the batter, drop it into that beautiful boiling oil. And the next thing you know, he wrapped it up. And this is old school in newspaper. And there I was. And oftentimes I couldn't make it home without digging into that bag and starting to eat some of that wonderful fish. So I know some of you are like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Well, actually has something to do with the message today. And that is this. The title of our message is Fish and Chips. You see, we started a brand new series last week called Gone Fishing. And in this series, we're taking a look at God's word and and some of Jesus' fish stories and and grabbing some um, really life uh, lessons from Jesus' fish stories. And so before we get into our fish story today, let's pray. God, thank you so much for us just having another day of life. And thank you so much that uh, you have our back. And God, I am praying that no matter where we're at, no matter what we're thinking, no matter how good or bad our week has been, 
God, that this would be a time that we could just pause and look into your word to listen to the truth that you have for each and every one of our lives. And God, you and I both know that this message is so foundational for for us as human beings, Lord. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would speak to me, you would speak to every person that's listening. And God, that we would grab a hold of the message that you have for us. Lord, thank you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So here we are. We, uh, we are going to jump right into our scripture. And our scripture that we're going to start off with uh, today is found in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And I hope you have your Bibles at home or your mobile devices. And you can put on uh, the, you know, bring up the scripture because I think it's so important that you see this stuff for yourself. And so you got Luke chapter 9, and, and starting in verse 1, and really this is going to be not our fish story yet, but this is the foundation for our fish story, kind of tying in last week's message to this week's. Luke 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Verse six says this, so they set out, so they set out and went from village to village, and I love this, proclaiming the good news and the healing and healing people everywhere. You see, last week in our fish story, we learned that we are to be fishers of men. And Jesus called the disciples and he said that, you are now going to be fishers of men. And we learned that that simply meant this, that, that they are gonna be evangelists, that they're gonna share their faith, that they're gonna share the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the good news that that simply means that we have, we have the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We could go from hopelessness to hope. We could go from living in darkness to living in light. We could go from having no purpose to having a purpose-filled life. We could go from chaos to absolute truth. And so these men heard the marching orders, and we see they went out proclaiming the good news. And I love that, the good news. Well, then we go into our fish story for today. Are you ready? Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned, uh, <laughs> but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, you got this picture. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, "This, send the crowd away, 
They could go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And and I I love this. Here's Jesus, the son of God. He knows everything. And the disciples are still learning this about him because they're coming to him going, Jesus, you've been preaching and teaching. It's late in the afternoon. These people are hungry and we need to send them out for food and lodging because we're in a rope place. Jesus is probably like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize we're in a remote place. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Paul. Or Paul, not Paul. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Matthew. But here's the reality. That's what happened. But I love, I love Jesus' response. In verse 13, he said this. You give them something to eat. Did you catch that? He says, you give them something to eat. Well, they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, we can know from other accounts of this story from the other gospel writers that somebody, probably Peter, found a boy and took his lunch. Now, I'm sure he asked. I'm sure he didn't steal it. I've always thought this, if this little boy, this was truly this little boy's lunch, it says there was what, five loaves and two fish? That kid had an appetite. I'm guessing he was a teenager. So taking, he says, unless, he says, uh, we only have five loaves, or they say, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all the crowd. You see that? Jesus is asking them to do something. And from a human standpoint, I believe that the disciples answer to Jesus request is logical. There's 5,000 men that Jesus is teaching. That's not counting the women and the children that are present. I'm just going to give a conservative number. Maybe there was 10,000 people there. The truth is, it doesn't even matter if there was 10 people there. You're not going to probably feed them with five loaves of bread and two fish. And so logically speaking, of course the disciples are going to respond this way and say, but, but, but Lord, we, we, we can't feed this crowd. And if you want us to go out and get enough food, remember, you made us sit through the financial piece of Dave Ramsey. We didn't put this in the budget. Okay, maybe I said that a little sarcastically. But you can imagine these guys, actually in one account, one of the disciples says, uh, Lord, uh, this, is, this is a half a year's wage. We can't do this. What you're asking of us is what? It's impossible. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, problem or the problem. You see, we have a crowd of hungry people, maybe 10,000 of them. And the only solution at this moment is we have five loaves of bread and two fish. (laughs) But Jesus' response is still the same. Verse 13, you give them something to eat. Have you ever faced the impossible? And I mean the impossible for you. Maybe not the impossible for your neighbor or for your friend or your coworker, 
but I'm talking about for you, where something in your life has come up and you look at it and you're like the disciples. Five loaves, two fish does not equal feeding 10,000 people. Where you feel a bit overwhelmed. The challenge you face looks impossible. In this season right now, in the middle of August, where most kids are going back to school and it would be a happy time and everyone's taking their first day of school pictures and you've gone and got all your supplies for school and the new backpack and the lunch pail or whatever it is, we're in a season where that's different for almost everybody. And for some of you listening, homeschooling or your kids being at home doing online schooling seems like that impossible thing for you. Maybe just because you're not aware of technology or up on the latest with that, or your child's so young that they can't sit in front of a screen for five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Or maybe you're the, the family that both you and your spouse are working and you're wondering how in the world are we gonna pull this off? I think for some It's an incredible challenge that you're facing right now. For others, it may be finances. You're looking at all of the bills that are coming in and you're putting that against all the money that's coming in and they don't match up. What's going out is much bigger than what's coming in. So maybe that's the impossible challenge that you're facing in the moment right now. Your bills look like 10,000 people and your income looks like five loaves and two fish. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe you're wrestling with feeling inadequate. Maybe you're comparing yourself to other families and and, and saying, I'm doing a lousy job as a mom, or I'm doing a lousy job as a father. Maybe you're dealing with a, a child that's out of control or one that's struggling with the, the school and the whole online thing or, or maybe just uh, their sibling uh, rivalry and, 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 and UFC fighting that's going on. I, I don't know, but maybe parenting is your challenge. Maybe mental health is your challenge. It's like you, it's everything you could do to even listen to this message right now, to pull yourself out of bed, to, 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 to take a shower or to even put clothes on. And you're struggling because of all the voices that are being uh, uh, shared with you outside and, and inside your home. And, and you're just wondering, how are you gonna do this thing called life? Maybe it's your future that you look at and that's what's impossible. Or maybe this pandemic and COVID-19, I don't know what it is and I'm not even saying that you have something, but if you don't, you will at some point because that's just life. And I drive this home because the reality is it's many of our realities. I listen to people all the time. Every week, I listen to the 10,000 people that are hungry but I only got five loaves of bread and two fish stories. And I say that with a heavy heart because your heart is your heart. Your struggle is your struggle. And that's why I think this message is so essential, so important for each of us to dig into and listen. I, um, I remember a, a movie, uh, maybe it was in the 80s, you have to, Fact check me on this one. 
but Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There's a scene as he's going after the Holy Grail. He's got a book with all the instructions and where this is the, he's going to find this. And he comes to this place where it's, it's really at the edge of a cliff. And, and you see the scene, and he's wedged in between two, two rocks, and, and, and the camera's facing his front, and, and you see he's at the edge. And, and you don't know how far down it goes. Is it hundreds of feet or thousands of feet? We don't know. But he looks, and he, he sees that he has to go across this chasm. He has to go across this, this the, to the other side where you see an opening, much like the one that he's standing in. But there's no way across. There's no bridge. There's no rope. There's, he has no wings. There's no, there's no planes. There's no way he could get from here to there, maybe 30, 40 yards away. Then the scene goes to, uh, I think it's his father that's dying. And you hear him say this, you must believe, boy. You must believe. And what, what, what Indiana Jones knows or what he's told is if he could just step out in faith, that a bridge would take him across this void. Can you relate? You see, them st- he, you see him standing there contemplating and eventually he lifts up his leg and he steps into nothingness. And suddenly, a bridge appears, and he's able to rock across to the other side, closer to the Holy Grail. I think of Peter. You remember Peter and the disciples in the boat? And Jesus gave them the challenge of stepping out and walking on water, coming towards him. Peter was the only one that took the challenge, and Peter stepped outside of the boat onto water, all human logic would say that he would sink. But we know that Peter walked on water as he kept his eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Do you see the theme? The very first point was the problem. The second point that I'd love for you to write down is the solution. Jesus is a solution. Faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the solution for our impossible. Pastor, where do you get this? Well, let's read on in the story, the fish story. See, Jesus said in verse 13, you give them something to eat, and then they, they answered, we only have five loaves and, and, and two fish. And then you go on and it says, but, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate, and I love this, they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up, check this out. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You see, in our hands, it's impossible, but in the hands of God Almighty, all things are possible. 
And this is not just a fish story. This is a story of of what you and I can lean into. This is a story of what we can learn from, that faith in God is essential to get through this thing called life. And it's not just essential, it's beneficial, and it's wonderful, and it's freeing, and it's exciting, and it takes us out of this darkness and confusion into living a life abundantly, a life that is full. And the key is faith. If you go to Hebrews, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but there's a famous passage that defines faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to encourage you to read the whole chapter, but we're going to look at just verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, and I want you to read this out loud with me. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. In a Hollywood way, we, we see Indiana Jones living this out. He, he, he had no clue whether he was going to drop to his death or if there really was going to be a bridge that would suddenly appear. You see, the brain would say, that's not going to happen. And the brain would also say, Jesus you go ahead and take these five loaves of bread. You go ahead and take these two fish. Good luck. And as Jesus lifted up those, 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 th- that food and he gave thanks to the Father, he was able not only to feed everyone until they were full, but I don't know, maybe he was showing off a little bit. There was enough food for 12 baskets of leftovers. Maybe one basket for each disciple. That's the first time I've ever even thought of that as a reminder of what they had just seen. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Here's what this pastor knows. I don't know, but I do know he knows. Let me say that again. Here's what this pastor knows. I don't know, but what I do know is he knows. And you know what, my friends? This is an amazing truth for us to grasp onto as we face the impossible. God was in control on that day when the people were hungry and he met their need. And that same God is in control today. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, just, just before our fish story. Uh, I, I just want to show you that this isn't just a, a one and done. But Luke chapter 8, verse 22. says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall or a, or a storm uh, came down on the lake and, and so that the boat was being swamped and, and they were in great danger. Not just danger, but they were in great danger. Verse 24, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And listen to these four words that Jesus shares. He looks at them and says, where is your faith? 
Where is your faith? And that's the question that he's asking of me today. Rob, where is your faith? Again, these guys were in the storm. Common sense would say they're going to drown. Part of their common sense was Jesus doesn't give a rep. He's downstairs. He doesn't care. But Jesus does care. He cared then, and he cares now. And some of us may think like he's underneath, asleep, not giving a rip what's happening in our life right now. But he does care. And he's looking at me, and he's looking at you, asking the same question. Where is your faith? And I love this. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water. And guess what? They obey him. Now, here's something that's important for me to share. I don't think Jesus is asking this question to shame them. I don't think Jesus is asking this question to bring guilt to them. I don't think he's asking this question to embarrass them. I believe he's asking this question to challenge and empower them. To change their narrative. I believe the same is true today. Where is your faith? Is it in humanity? Is it in government? Is it in getting back to normal, whatever that is? Is your faith in money? Is your faith in pastors? You see, I don't think any of those things that I just mentioned are bad things necessarily in and of themselves. But when they become the thing that is above God, then we have a problem. And I'm constantly having to realign myself and who it is that I'm putting or what it is that I'm putting my faith in. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. And this is what faith is all about. I get the disciples' reaction with the impossible task of feeding 5,000. I get the disciples' response to feeling like they're gonna die in the middle of this storm. But I also understand and know that truth has to override my feelings. Truth has to override my feelings. I know that Jesus fed 5,000 with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. I know I can't, but he can. I want to share with you as we draw closer to the end of the message, just some practical illustrations of how I've seen this happen in my life. And, and there's, there's literally hundreds. But some recent things that I thought of was just standing here at West Valley Christian Church in our worship um, uh, s- service area and uh, worship center. Some of you have never been in this, and, and I can't wait to meet you and, and, and see you in here uh, someday. 
But I took over as lead pastor almost four years ago. I've been an associate pastor for 25 plus years. And um, one of the things is when this church was built, uh, we have a second story, but it was not able to be completed. It was just a shell. Uh, no walls and no, no nothing. And the Lord put it on my heart that uh, we needed a place for our teens and our kids, uh, that we needed to make sure that they had a place that was theirs and a place where they could hear the things that we're talking about right now, to have a loving, living faith in Jesus Christ. So it was going to cost a little over a million dollars, and we had done an, enough fundraisers over the years to get this property and to build the school and to build the church and all that that I was not going to do that. I didn't know where the million-plus dollars was going to come, but I, um, I do know this, that the Lord put on my heart that you could get $250,000 cash, and then we kind of knew where some of that other money was going to come from. I remember standing in this very spot, sharing this vision, saying that kids and teens are not the future of the church. They are the church today. And I said, I want us to build some amazing space upstairs for our kids and our teens and um, I, I want to challenge you, the congregation. I, I think this was in February. I want to challenge you, the congregation, to um, pray about and think about um, donating to the upstairs. Our goal is $250,000. I think everybody probably looked at me like I was crazy. I said, we are not doing a capital campaign. We're not doing any promises. We're going to raise $250,000 in one night. Even as I said that, I wasn't sure I believed it. Well, that gave people nine weeks. That's right, nine weeks. Well, most people would say, and fundraisers out there would say, yeah, you probably should have known where half of that money was coming from before that night. I didn't know hardly any money that was coming in. Well, that night showed up, or arrived, and here we are in this room, packed uh, with people, and we did a bunch of worship songs, and, and we had a treasure chest, and there's a bunch of stuff that went behind that. And I'm sitting in the front row, and I'm just, I, I'm just like, Lord, I have no idea what's going to happen. And if I'm really honest, that morning I told our operations director, I said, what was I thinking? When it came time to drop off the money in this treasure chest, I looked back and every aisle in our church had a line. And I just lost it. I'm crying as I'm watching young kids put change in there. I'm watching people, you know, young families holding hands, putting stuff in there. I'm watching someone I know that just lost their job, put something in there. I'm watching some elderly people with canes walking up. And I'm just, I'm just swamped with tears. Still, I have no idea, but just that was great. Well, the number came in. We kept singing songs. Um, the police department came, by the way, two cop cars. Uh, they heard we were going to take up this all-cash offering, and so they had probably more faith than I did. They just wanted to be here to protect us. Thank you, police department. But do you know how much we raised that night? The goal is two fifty. We raised $315,000 that night. We came with a few loaves and a few fish, and God gave us abundantly. Matter of fact, the money kept coming in after that, and eventually we were over a half million dollars that came for the project upstairs. Last year, we did a medical clinic in Samoa, and we do that often, and we were partnering with the team in Hawaii. We arrived. Before we arrived, I mean, it's months and months of getting supplies, thousands and thousands, ten thousands of dollars of prescriptions and uh, drugs and uh, prescription drugs, not drugs, um, and, and just all the supplies and everything and the doctors, and we get there and we find out 
that all the supplies are stuck on a boat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So we were challenged with, do we open up the clinic without any of these supplies? We had just a few. And we went ahead and opened up the clinic. We saw over 500 patients that week. We took care of every person and they walked away with all the prescription drugs that they needed because God supplied the very thing that we needed. I could go on and on. Right now, we're, we're five months into COVID. I, I had no idea how to do church online. We had no idea how to do church online. Do you know that we were able to do our very first service five hours after we found out that we were gonna not have service here at church? And there's so much that goes into that. All I simply wanna say is this. God is in the business of doing the impossible. All he is asking of you and I is to have faith in him. Did you hear that? All he's asking of you and I is to have faith in him. Well, number three is actions that I'd love for you to take. Write these down. Put your faith in Jesus. Number two, call out your fear by name. And what I mean by that is the reason why you're able to put your your faith in Jesus is oftentimes because of a fear. Call it out and trust in him. Thirdly, take the step like Indiana Jones did. Take the step like Indiana Jones did. And lastly, enjoy the outcome. I want to close this message with a story. You may have noticed that I'm wearing a shirt that says Angelus Crest. That represents Angelus Crest Christian Camp, an amazing camp that our church supports a camp that does teenage camps and children's camps and father-son camps and mother-daughter camps and men's retreat. It's just an amazing camp. I've been going there for many years. Uh, one of the first times I ever went there, I took a college group up there some 30-something years ago, and I noticed there was this telephone pole basically in the middle of camp. I found out later it's called Isaiah's Perch. It's a 40-foot um, telephone pole and it's wrapped with indoor outdoor carpet and it's got little pegs going all the way up it well I learned about what it is and I said I'll do it even though I hate heights uh, it was going to be a challenge for me a challenge in faith actually and so what they do is they strap you in and and they've got uh, you know you're in a harness and there's a rope tied to you and there's a guy holding it and all that and what you do is you climb up this pole so here's how this guy did it I hugged the pole, I grabbed on, and I started climbing. My face was against the pole the whole time. My eyes were closed, and I sang, Lord, I lift your name on high. <laughs> Lord, I lift your name on high. I sure hopefully that I don't die. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a chicken. And the higher I got, the more the pole kind of went back and forth. And sure enough, I got to that place where I could see I felt the top. Then I'm shaking. I'm literally shaking. I said, now what? And they said, well, now you got to get on top of the pole. Well, there's a lot to this, but I did it. You had to lift your leg up there, try and not fall off, get your other one, push yourself up, and now I'm standing on the pole. The wind is blowing, and I am going back and forth. I was a little scared baby up there. Then right in front of me about, I think it's nine feet out, is a trapeze that's just hanging there. And they say, now you need to commit to the Lord something that you're afraid of and what you need to step out on in faith. And then you just jump and you grab a hold of that. Again, it took a long time for me, but I finally conjured up the strength 
the courage to jump. And I jumped with everything I had and I grabbed a hold of that thing. And as I'm holding this, looking across the Angeles Crest Mountains and all the beautiful trees and all the birds and all the, 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 just the beauty that surrounded me, there was a peace that I could not explain. And then eventually you let go and they kind of let you down slowly. Why do I share that? Because somebody listening needs to go climb that pole today. And I don't mean physically go up to Angeles Crest, but you're standing on the edge and you're faced with, am I gonna live in fear or faith? With homeschooling, with parenting, with your marriage, with finances, with your faith in God, with relationship, I don't know what it is. But this pastor's encouraging you to trust God. He's got your back and he's in control. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellions that you've always